Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? And in today's episode, we are welcoming Robert Schwartz. Robert ran for office Last year, two years ago, three years ago? Uh, last year and three years ago. Last year and three years ago. Uh, but the reason we've got him on the podcast today is to talk about a bill that he helped to sponsor, write. The total story was I ended up having a primary opponent in the last election and uh, some of the gun enthusiasts uh, helped push me over the edge. And so I was able to win that primary fight. And... Lee Beyer, who is the guy who beat me for the general election, told me that his policy was for his constituents, which I am one of, that he would introduce legislation for that person, even if he didn't support it. So I called up the gun guys and asked them what they wanted, and they wanted a bill for firearm safety for children, like not how to mm-hmm. field strip a gun or anything, but how to, what to do if you're in first grade, if you come across an unsecured firearm. The result was Senate Bill 801. Just wanted to get that in there. And that bill, what it did was instructed first grade teachers to teach a 15-minute once-a-year class and stop, don't touch, run, tell an adult if they run across an unsecured firearm. And so Lee didn't find anything all that wrong with that, so he introduced it. And boy, oh boy, it didn't pass, but it was a fun ride. This is interesting to me because it doesn't mandate anything, right? Correct. All it does is say schools are allowed to have a class for first graders teaching them basically those things. There would be no gun in the classroom. It would be taught by a public safety officer or someone trained in firearms. And it doesn't mandate anything. It just says you are now allowed to do this. Correct. There was still a lot of pushback, a lot of opposition to this. Yeah. So evidently, because the bill did not include trigger locks, it was uh, frowned upon by both the League of Women Voters and Ceasefire Oregon. There was nothing in the bill that prevented trigger lock legislation from being passed. But because it did not have those things, they decided that it was a waste of time. And when we testified in front of the Senate, they cited a study from Rutgers University Nursing School that the cliff notes were it's that the children weren't able to retain the knowledge of stop, don't touch, run, tell an adult. And I don't know anything about New Jersey, which is where Rutgers University mm-hmm. is. I have seen the Jersey Shore. Nobody should Shore. know anything about New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have seen the Jersey Shore, though, and it's, and it's <laughs> quite possible that those people are not have the mental capacity <laughs> to, uh, to follow those instructions. But I assured the state senators in Oregon that Oregon children do have the mental capacity to follow stop, don't touch, run, tell an adult. And then the League of Women Voters uh, changed their tactics to that the teachers um, were so overburdened that they would not be able to fit this in. I still and, feel like that's a dumb argument. Because it, yeah. does, it doesn't mandate, again, it doesn't mandate anything. All it does is say, you are able to do this if you choose. 
So as far as I can tell, the League of Women Voters and the Oregon Democrats, if there's a problem, you have to approach the problem by trying to change the environment to the degree that you can, and then change the way that people respond to the environment, because you can never, because, you know, we live on the earth and stuff, and so we can't really be in total control of the environment. And so the League of Women Voters and Ceasefire Oregon, they were demanding that there should be safes and trigger locks, Mm -hmm. which is all fine. But the only way to really enforce that would be if you were to have cameras in people's homes and then, you know, monitor their behavior, which would go against... uh, It's only slightly Orwellian. Yeah. (laughs) For Oregon, you know, we're, you know, we're a pretty Orwellian state to begin with. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, to your point, it's it's basically unenforceable. Yeah, it's it's unenforceable. And and they love the Fourth Amendment, the search and seizure thing. Right. And so that would kind of butt heads against that. But it's just a shame because the the League of Women Voters was at one point which is before your guys' time, but the gold standard of integrity and nonpartisanship, and they've kind of slipped, at least in Oregon, into this you know, morass of the worst possible kind of argument in bad faith, arguing in right. bad faith. Well, I've had a lot of McDonald's the last couple of weeks. I've also slipped into morass. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to is censor that? that? Uh, is that? Uh, no, technically you gotta leave that in. Technically not a customer. No, you probably have to take out McDonald's. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So I told you if there's, if there's, if somebody tees me up for those, I'm going to take this link. But so I'm I, not to dive too deeply yet, at least into the, the minutiae of the bill, but I was curious. When you were, and also I'll apologize to, to our listeners first, just for my general being to begin with, but also <laughs> I've been fighting a cold the last couple of days. So if I sound slightly off, that's, that's why. But I was curious why it was first graders in there. I, like, I, my wife is a fifth grade teacher and I know she's responsible for sex ed. And this was, that was one of the things that came up when I was discussing this with her, with her. Why not ask to teach it in, in fifth grade when there may be more retention? Usually by the time they're in fifth grade, they kind of know better. There's this kind of fantasy reality thing that's going on with kids that are about that age where, you know, they don't totally know what it's like in the real world yet. Mm-hmm. And and so that's why you need to teach them by playing games and, and things like that. Because by the time you're in, you don't hear about too many fifth graders picking up a gun. And when a child picks up a gun, they'll hold it with the barrel pointing at them because mm-hmm. their thumbs are the only thing that can pull the trigger. Mm. And so that's that's how a lot of these things happen. Whereas by the time you're in fifth grade, you can imitate Recognize Denzel Washington it, yeah. and hold the gun off to the side. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so the other thing that baffles me about this is, you know, I think left and right. <clears throat> excuse me. See, now I was worried about me having to sneeze and cough and everything, and it's James who draws. See, the here's first the thing: blood. I'm going to edit that out, and now no one's going to know what we're talking about. <laughs> The magic behind podcasting people. <laughs> Sometimes we say, um. <laughs> the left and the right, we're both, we're all on the same side of preventing accidental gun deaths. And you would think that anything that moves in that direction would be a good thing and would be bipartisan. Yeah. So people should probably be careful about guessing other people's motivations. Hmm. So the reality is, and this is not comfortable to say, but the reality is, is that preventing children from learning how to respond 
to a potentially dangerous situation is not on the side of safety. It's just not. You can pretend that you live in a magic world where, you know, everyone is going to follow the signs that say, lock away your guns. You know, maybe the Oregon Democrat should pass a law or pass a study, a law to make a study to see what colors the sign should be in order to make it <laughs> recognizable. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Maybe if a red sign with green lettering, maybe that would work. So Nick and I agree on a lot of things. Uh, we've had a couple gun control debates and I think we're not quite aligned on this one. So I think we're, I've got my, I got my fighting fists up. <laughs> Listeners can't see that. I, but. I think we're, again, we're all on the same page that we want to prevent gun violence and we want to prevent gun accidents. I, being in the military, you know, own guns, I'm very comfortable with guns and believe, well, well gun registration is one of the things I think we've, we've discussed and mm-hmm. I think we disagree on. I'm totally against gun registration. I feel like the number one reason for allowing guns and having unrestricted use of guns are relatively unrestricted. I mean, people shouldn't have, shouldn't have rocket launchers, but is to prevent against the takeover of a tyrannical government. It is very easy for things to devolve even in first world countries. I mean, Bosnia hosted the Olympics only eight years before sectarian violence erupted in that country. You look at pictures of Afghanistan or Somalia in the 1970s, and they were relatively forward countries. Well, that- uh, your, your apartment, we're here in downtown Portland, and just anytime somebody on the left decides that they, I don't know, a bird flew the wrong way or something, they're going to start a protest and start throwing rocks at things and breaking windows and whatever, to your point. Yeah, it, it's very easy for things to devolve. And I think that the fact that there are unregistered guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens is a deterrent against a, a tyrannical government trying to come take over and force things on us that, that we don't want, or B, protests, that sort of thing, getting too out of hand because people can protect themselves. That, to me, is the number one reason why I'm pro Second Amendment and pro guns? Yeah, and- no, all, all that's great until you have kids, and then and then you want the guns in the house because to protect the kids. Yeah, sure. So, and that's true. Know, I don't have kids, which so. we don't. We but we have dogs, and you, you don't want to square up against our dogs. Sure. Um, I got a pug who's. He's yeah, down to fight. Yeah, the pug. You, yeah. Right, yeah, Unless then. you offer him a treat, <laughs> right. which I can only use that word because we're not recording at my house. Otherwise, he'd be here. <laughs> Again, going back to the registration thing, I feel like having a gun register, everybody registers with the government is almost no different than, well, it is very different from giving up all your guns. But if the government knows where all those guns are, it's very easy for them to come after them should they decide to. I I have to add something to that. So there's, there's roughly 300 million guns in America right now. So registering that would be a Try to count to 300 million mm-hmm. and see how far you get. You know, yeah. that, that would be a, an effort would be the scope of landing on the moon. There was actually, there was a sketch comedy show I used to watch and it was like a hidden camera type thing. And a guy showed up at a, like a slam improv poetry type of event. And he said, I'd like to read you my poem, one million. And everybody's like, Oh, let me hear about one million. And he just goes, one, <laughs> two, <laughs> three. And then it cuts away to like some of the other skits. And then it comes back in the show and he's like, 77, <laughs> 78. And like all of the people have left and everything. And it's, and he was only going to 1 million. If you try to get to 300 million to your point, that would be a, a Herculean effort. Yeah, no, exactly. And even doing background checks for the million guns a year that are sold is just, I mean, that's 
that's a real number, you know, that someone has to actually do that. It's just not pretend. Yeah. Or if they wanted to do a buyback like they did in Australia, see at a thousand bucks a crack, what is that? $300 billion. Yeah. It's a lot of money. So since we are about solutions, not just about problems, what do y'all think that we can do to prevent gun violence, prevent mass shootings, prevent gun accidents? Apart from the, the bill that Robert has already tried to put in through the Senate and has not gone anywhere. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go first on this one as probably the, the least educated person so that none of my thoughts sound worse when the two smarter people get up and talk <laughs> after me. But I, for me, I think that the problem has never been guns. I think the problem is always guns in the hands of people who shouldn't have guns. So you see mm -hmm. bills that come through and they say, oh, we need to ban automatic weapons or AR-15s or, you know, whatever the, what was the bump stocks, bump yeah, stocks bump after stocks. Las Vegas. Yeah. And it's, those are, I would argue, punitive measures at absolute best, if nothing else than just trying to pat yourself on the back and make you feel better and would not, would do actually zero in the effect of lowering the number of mass shootings. But I personally think, I think more education is a good thing. I think the more that people know, the more experience that people have, especially legislators who are working to make these decisions. I've, I've referenced it in a previous episode, but there's like, I think a Buzzfeed video that's just called liberals shoot a gun for the first time. And they interview them before and they're saying, you know, guns are bad, guns are evil or whatever. And then they talk to them after when they've gone through with an instructor, here's how you shoot, here's how you aim, here's, you know, how to be good at this, or whatever. And then they talk to the people afterwards and they say, that is very powerful. I can absolutely understand how somebody would want to defend his family with that. I can absolutely understand if you choose to hunt how the how powerful this is now and they're still they they're not over the hump yet in terms of yeah no i'm fully in favor of guns but they're definitely way more at least understanding of the issues that they're talking about the other issue i think is that you get those liberals who've never shot a gun and not specifically liberals but people who've never who are not familiar with guns they're the ones writing the legislation the nra those of us who are familiar with guns are not the ones who are pushing for this gun control and so what you end up with is punitive you get cosmetic changes that i referenced this in a previous episode but pistol grips and threaded barrels are things that were part of the assault weapons ban of you know 20 years ago which have no effect on how the gun functions but those are the things that we decided to ban because the people who wrote that bill are not gun people so i think that if we get more people like robert who are familiar with guns to start writing some of this legislation, of course, you got to get it passed. I think that would be a way to put common sense rules in place that can prevent bad actors from getting a hold of guns, but without punishing those law-abiding citizens who this is their hobby or this is for protection or tyrannical government. Right. So there's, there's always going to be a tension between rights and responsibilities, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then the Bill of Rights has the Second Amendment, right? So there's a mass shooting. The conservatives and the sportsmen supporting Democrats offer thoughts and prayers, which are mm -hmm. kind of worthless. And then they say, don't touch my Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. And that's their right to say that. And then on the other hand, on the liberal side, there's the Fourth and Fifth Amendment with the search and seizure and the Miranda rights and the getting representation. And so with that, there's also a certain amount of people who are guilty who are going to get off on a technicality or whatever and then go back 
and inflict further harm. Hmm. And that's, that's not all in a great big one big thing. That's just every single day over and over and over. And the sad reality is that the wealthy liberals get a chance to, you know, say how much they're pr- protecting us against police brutality by having the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. Meanwhile, the people who are paying the price for that are usually the lower income neighborhoods, which are going to be black and, and uh, low income white neighborhoods who have to pay because when those people get released, they go back to that neighborhood. Mm. So it's just, you know, there's a certain amount of risk that goes along with having rights and that balance is just something that, that people should really look at. Now, in terms of keeping guns out of the, the wrong people's hands, that's hard to do. You guys aren't old enough, but your parents would remember when, when people brought... <laughs> I'm not, but I think James is. <laughs> when they brought their guns to school, right? Yeah. The kids used to bring their guns actually literally to school, and there was no shootings or craziness in those days. So that's... I went to the University of Texas. I think I'm actually wearing the hat right now. Again, not that the listeners can see, but that was one of the first mass shootings. It was August 1st of 1966. Charles Whitman got on top of the tower, and he was a former military sniper, and he got up there and started picking people off. And... He got 12 or 15 people, and then with within 10 minutes or 15 minutes or something like that, because this is Texas in the 60s, a number of guys had just had their guns in their trucks, and they went and got them and started firing back, and that was cited as as leading to demonstrably reduced loss of life, because now, anytime Charles Whitman tried to get out from one of the little turrets on the top of the tower, one of the windows, he would have a bunch of people who were firing back at him, so he had he got a lot fewer shots off. He was up for two hours or three hours, but most of the damage was done in that first 10 or 15 minutes when people were not firing up back at him. And we spoke with Alex Carlados a few weeks ago. And for those of you who are not familiar with Alec, he was one of the guys who stopped the terror attack on the train to Paris several years ago. And so if you haven't listened to the episode, go back and listen to it because uh, that was a really good conversation. But one of the things he mentioned was in the span of about six weeks, there were three incidences that those three guys dealt with. The Paris attack, the shooting at Umqua Community College, and then Spencer got into an altercation at a bar in California and ended up getting stabbed several times. All three of these instances could have been helped by good people with guns, and none of them were able to have guns because you're not allowed to carry guns in Europe, you're not allowed to carry in California, and... Alec was not present during the Umqua thing, but you're not allowed to carry on school campuses in Oregon, public university campuses. You're not allowed to carry guns. So all three of those were no gun zones where these three guys were very close to death and could have been helped by concealed carry. Yeah. So saying, even saying you're not allowed to carry guns is kind of wrong way to word that because you, you are allowed to. It's just illegal, right? <laughs> so I feel like that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not, you're not going to prevent anyone from doing it just because it's illegal. Unless, of course, the Oregon state legislature comes up and passes my idea of figuring out what color sign <laughs> is the best colors to keep people from doing something. Right. We're, we're talking to a legislator in a couple of days. We'll pass that along. We'll see if we can, we'll get them to move on that one. Get bipartisan support. <laughs> but, but it's, it's on a macro level, you know, a lot of this stuff has to do with just kind of the, the way society is moving in general. 
by the time you're in fifth grade, you've probably played a couple hundred hours of Grand Theft Auto. Mm. You know, there's, you've been exposed to things on TV that would make Marcy Desaad blush. You know, it's pretty bad stuff. And then I know you guys don't like getting into this tribalism thing, but people deciding that they don't have to listen and respect other people's points of view. Like you guys are calling me a gun expert, which I am not. Okay. <laughs> but compared to some people, I, I live in a neighborhood where most people have weapons and I know and like my neighbors mm-hmm. and, and, and have learned a lot. And at this point, the liberals desires to kind of just demonize anyone who doesn't walk and step with them. I mean, I literally believe that this stop, don't touch, run, tell an adult thing mm-hmm. was killed because I'm registered Republican. And the guy who um, helped me with this is a gun instructor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just really mind boggling that people would uh, allow such punitive kindergarten-y type of behavior into the state legislature. But listen, guys, I got to tell you some of the insane stuff that they put in, right? So you're saying everyone's against gun safety and all that, but I don't know if the facts back that up. Mm. The facts show that they're interested in, in being very punitive against gun people. And the only reason I can assume is because a lot of the gun people are Republicans. One of the pieces of legislation says that a shooting facility is liable for any damage from rounds that get off the property, which Hmm. I did a whole bunch of research. I couldn't find a single time when that was publicized. Hmm. So I'm sure that maybe someone ran over a bullet with their lawnmower and surprised themselves or something like that. But besides that, you don't hear about kids getting shot because they were playing in the gun range. Mm. But what that's going to do is it's going to make the insurance companies bail, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So now the gun range can't get insurance. And then there's another piece of legislation that says that municipalities can be sued if they didn't take enough action against the gun range and something bad happened. So now they're putting municipalities in a position where they have to zone out Hmm. gun ranges in order to avoid litigation, litigation, right? And neither one of those things is based on any facts of anything that's ever happened. It's done specifically to give the middle finger to the NRA types. And then they can't be surprised when the people who support gun rights get their feathers ruffled because it's it's just crazy. Very true. And I've always found it interesting to me that the people who are safest around firearms that I know are self-described. I feel like I can use this term self-described gun nuts. Mm-hmm. They're the people who are out at the range at 6 a.m. all the time that, you know, schedule trips to other states, other countries at times to go hunting. Have you, have you ever seen those guys at the range? They're like, yeah. they take their gun apart and look at the barrel and everything like four or five times before they even, you know. I The last time I went out shooting, I was carrying it the wrong way. I was having it pointing down instead of pointing up. And like four people jumped like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't like have to have, you know, hold it the right way. And it, it was a shotgun. They're like, you'd break it open even. Yeah. And it's like, that's how you just to walk from the trucks that were standing by out to the point where the, the little clay pigeons were coming out. 
And it's like, they are the safest people who have ever encountered guns. And it's the, the people on the left who are trying to write some of these laws are just, I think, not understanding of the points that you're making. And the people who this legislation would impact any kind of bans or safety or whatever, like they're already safe with the guns. Like they already know how to use them. I think that familiarity and training is something that can really help toward, especially gun accidents. Maybe not, it may not help the mass shootings or that kind of thing. But I think that there are so many people on the left who, to your point, are just anti-gun in general, that anything, any sort of legislation that helps to familiarize people or make them more comfortable with guns is seen as a bad thing because that will draw them into organizations like the NRA or make them into quote gun people. And then those people will not vote for their gun measures in the future. So in the interest of protecting people, they are voting against bills that could actually protect people. Right. So you, you keep on talking about protecting people. So they, so in this, in this big bill that they're looking at right now, they're claiming that it is a gun safety bill. And is, so, is this the one that's been the news? The uh, five, yeah, five rounds one. limit and is uh, what you're talking about? I don't know if that one's in there. Okay, this anyway, is the sorry. one where the senators are bailing, so they don't have to, so they can't have a quorum. So here's what: out of all of the two or three dozen pieces of legislation, here's here's what they come up with in one big bill, and they call it a safety bill. In the words of the NRA, to legalize age discrimination, which is actually, you know, fine with me, but to let the person who is selling the gun decide on what's the age group Mm. that they will sell Mm. to. Now, the legislation implies that, you know, under 21, I mean, over 21 or over 18 or whatever. But, but I think if they really wanted to have, you know, a greater effect, particularly because of the suicide situation, that they would put a, a max limit on it too. Like a maximum age to buy guns? Yeah. How's, how do you mean? Like, well, cause like 65 comes, and older? 75? I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't, I don't really look at all that stuff that hard, but there's a lot of young people I would trust with guns before some of the older people I know. <laughs> so anyways, that's just my little personal thought. <laughs> and then the other one is, is you have to lock your guns. Now that is a gun safety measure. Right. Mm-hmm. So it would, it would, if your children were not experienced or trustworthy around guns, it would, it would make them sense to lock them up. And it would also, um, make, if someone was to invade your home, make them a lot safer as well. So, <laughs> right. The, the person breaking in, make them safer. Right. It right. would, it has the dual effect of being safer for the children and safer for the criminals. I've mentioned before that I, I have guns in here and they're not locked up because children are literally never in my condo. Never have kids in here. And if I did, you know, they would then be locked up. But I, I am really against sort of these mandatory lockup measures because it doesn't have any room for nuance. Again, I'm an adult. I'm a veteran. I know what I'm doing. I don't have kids in my house and I live in a pretty secure building but still you know if someone were to break in here i want that to be accessible and i don't want to have to open a safe and take off the trigger lock and take my my bullets from across the room which i think you're supposed to store them separately or something Uh, i don't know if that's in the bill but that's something that's been proposed in the past those sort of things are just protection for the people breaking in yeah 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 so that's all for safety 
then the next one is to make legal culpability. Let's say someone uh, gets in here, takes your guns, and you don't report them stolen in a 24-hour time period, and then they use them to cause some kind of damage. You are now legally culpable for that damage. And it would be interesting if they applied that to cars, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. Right? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, right. Cool from like a Saturday Night Live type of... (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine somebody steals your car, and then you are then liable for any damage that they cause? I know, isn't that crazy? Wow. Oh, this one's great. So... This is under safety. You're not allowed to make your own guns. And like for my neighbors in Thurston where I live, guns are literally basically Barbie dolls for adult men, right? Mm, right. They put them together. <laughs> they dress them up. They give them little colors and accessories. And, <laughs> right. and right. I have daughters. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean to imply you were playing with Barbies. <laughs> so. That's fine. <laughs> okay. The listeners can't see how many he's got around the room. Right now. So it might be zero. Might be zero. zero. Bunch. There are zero. And they're, they're all the... just training on me right now. So. <laughs> um, and let's see. The last one is to allow local governments to make gun-free zones in schools, airports, etc. And that, once again, would only be for people who would obey the sign. So what kills me about a lot of this stuff is it's like all it does is impact the people who follow the laws. If you are a criminal, you, by definition, do not follow the laws. So if you want to take a gun into a gun-free zone, the only thing stopping you is the sign. Yeah. and But you see my point, though, when when I say that not only is it not a safety bill, but it's it's actually a a punitive act towards, you know, normal people because of the sin of voting Republican— or even the greater sin of not supporting whatever uh, measures they have. Like, it's crazy to me that education, which used to be a respected skill to mm-hmm. give to our children, has, has now been replaced with confiscation regards to firearms and many other things, and trying to kind of let them live in this pretend land that doesn't exist where no one scrapes their knees and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's just quite sad. But some of these other bills are just, so one that didn't pass. So let's say that there's a spouse who is beating their other spouse. Sure. And they get a protection order and no contact and blah, blah, blah. We'll just say that the victim is the woman just for the sake of to make right. this easy. So now if she wants to get a, a handgun, a permit, she has to give their her address, mm-hmm. which she's supposed to not do, right? So now she can't get... They had a chance to fix this, but they, they decided not to do it, right? Mm-hmm. They just forgot about that one. So now she can't get a gun because she can't give out her address. And she's the one who needs it the worst. Yeah. So that would just be for the, the background check. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. For listeners who are really familiar with guns and don't see them the way that someone like me would see them, what guns are is the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. So it takes any physical characteristics that a potential victim would have and it nullifies them. Mm-hmm. So you can have a 90-year-old lady with a gun in her purse take down, you know, I mean, this guy's huge, right? <laughs> Probably take three rounds to get you down. <laughs> Hopefully it never comes to that. <laughs> Stay away from the nine-year-olds. Yeah, right. I know. 
So what are some policy positions you'd advocate for or specific bills that you would like to see passed? Obviously, outside from the one that you had did, you had worked on that you can then point to to either mollify some of the concerns that Democrats have or even better, actually make a tangible impact on the number of suicides by gun or the number of mass shootings. Yeah. So in terms of government action, I know very few people who have ever invited the government into their life and said, you know what? I'm really glad that I called up the ATF and explained to them my problem. Now all my problems are solved. (laughs) You know, so inviting the government into your life just kind of, although their intentions are good, the things that they're very, very good at is the military, they seem to have a, a handle on, and sending out checks and extracting money. Mm-hmm. So anything outside of those parameters is probably something that they should basically stay away from. Okay, And so uh, something they could do is kind of adjust the the way that they're dealing with mental health, which needs to be fully adjusted mm-hmm. because... You know, your guest last week, Dr. Satya, had the right ideas with stuff like this. Yeah. You know, he, you really couldn't ask for a more thoughtful, kind, and, uh, loving of his fellow human being person. And so you, you'd need to find guys like that and kind of somehow convince them to involve themselves in government bureaucracy, which would probably be impossible to do. But well, you never Dr. know. Dr. Satya is running for Salem Kaiser yeah. School Board, so that's a step, a step in the right in direction. The right direction. Yes, yeah, so if you're listening from Salem, make sure you vote for for Dr. Satya for school board. Yeah, and if you guys get a chance, listen to that podcast because that guy is that guy's super cool, very very intelligent, very thoughtful. Yeah, yeah unlike I like ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we just sit here and crack jokes. I'm like the brain <laughs> trust in the room right now. <laughs> And I forgot where we were. Oh, what kind of Solutions. legislation, yeah. right? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if asking for, for legislation was, is actually any kind of magic bullet. I mean, the, the kinds of things that are missing from society right now is a sense of community. Who wrote the book Bowling Alone? That was like a great psychology study. We'd read that in a communications class senior yeah. year of college, but about essentially for over the last 50 years, things have gone from neighborhood associations and families and what have you to just like to exactly your point just people just don't do stuff together anymore right and then you, you combine that with this bizarre thinking that just cuz you're saying something online that your voice has meaning and then you're confronted with the fact that your voice in fact does not have meaning mm-hmm. and then the frustration from that will lead a certain extremely small percentage of the population but will lead that person to do pretty bad stuff you know, it's just weird. It's like we were, me and Jill were talking and like, we should send the kids to black schools where like they don't have these mass shootings. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it seems to be a specifically white people yeah. problem. The, of course, the black. So in the black neighborhoods, they have the same problem. It's just that it's more consistent in terms of so the volume of deaths. Yeah. Right. But it, they're not spectacular. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're just, they just, chip away at it hmm. but they chip away one you know three four a day instead of like 14 in one day with the cnn cameras 
and the gang violence and, and that kind of stuff happening in primarily in black neighborhoods has been going on for so long. It doesn't make the news, which is a well, travesty. Yeah. Right? But you know, well, well, why does it not make the news? And so it either doesn't make the news because the news people are racist by omission. So they're not aggressively racist, but they're racist by mm. omission, which is even worse because institutionalized racism is way worse than just overt, overt meanness, racism, yeah. right? Right. Even Malcolm X said that he has more respect for the man who tells him what, you know, what he thinks, even if he's wrong, than the, he was blasting liberals, than the, than the <laughs> liberal who comes up to like sheep, but is really a devil or whatever yeah, it cool. is. Yeah, and he, just getting back to that, it's so weird. Like, when I was a little kid, the leaders in that community were like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. Those guys got shot. And now what we're stuck with is Jesse Jackson and Louis Farrakhan. I mean, whoa, how did that happen? Not the, uh, not the direct descendants that you'd hope yeah, for. Yeah, that you would hope for. <laughs> like, but that's, yeah. well, it's, it's funny because I'm, I think that I'm in the same boat as you, or at least for the most part. I think the best gun bill that could be written would never mention the word gun. It doesn't have anything to do with weapons or firearms or training or anything like that. It has everything to do with mental health. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with preventing cyberbullying and, you know, getting kids to the point where they're considering suicide. Right. It has now, everything to do with that. So if you take a look at the veterans, right? So the veterans that were in the kind of World War II type of era, which was an extremely brutal, very long term, you know, these guys had every reason in the world to have some serious PTSD and come back and percentage of them kill themselves. And you didn't see a lot of that. Because in those days, they had like the VFW and places like that where these guys would sit around, drink, and they would basically have group therapy, hmm. right? Not with a therapist, but... Just each other. Yeah. They, a communal organization where they were safe and they yep. could talk. Exactly. Now, you know, your generation, I don't see a VFW down the block, no. you know? There's, there's nothing for these guys, for guys like you, sorry. Yeah. But... Um, I've looked into it. The nearest VFW is probably five or six miles away. Yeah. And this is from downtown Portland. Like, why and, is there one in the middle of town? And they don't, I'm not saying it's their responsibility, sure. but making it a little bit more friendly for people who are not 70 might help out a little bit. Yeah. And no one even knows. They don't even use it as a resource because I don't know why the VA does not have like partners with veterans memorial people. Mm hmm. Except that the VA might not want to lose any any potential business. They might just they, well, no, because yeah. the purpose of a bureaucracy is to propagate itself, right? I mean, that's a hard fact, and so anything that takes away from it propagating itself is is in effect bad. Well, we've talked a number of times about changes we would make to the Oregon Republican platform, and I think if oh, I wait, could... I got I got to talk one more okay. thing about the the one piece of uh, legislation that could help would be as if there were somehow a, I don't even know if it would take legislation, but there needs to be a better, I teach dancing, I belong to a professional association, and in order to teach dancing to people at a, who want to compete in a high level, I have mm -hmm. to belong to this organization. But I could call myself a gun trainer today, and no one would care, right? Mm. So if there was some organization that kind of kept their eye 
And is that a state sponsored organization? Or well, just see, like I, a, like I just, I don't even know. So uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it would be, I guess the state would have nothing to do with it because they just probably screw it up. But there should be some kind of professional organization where you get real certification because the people I know who've gone through gun training are completely different human beings when they come out of it. Yeah. And I think the NRA could be something like that. But in the last few decades, it's really just turned into a lobbying organization. Yeah. No, uh, no one, no one takes them seriously anymore. It'd be like, it'd be like putting Planned Parenthood in charge of sex education. I mean, it's, it makes sense on some level, but hmm. there's just so much bad blood. Yeah. Because everyone's so entrenched in their, the NRA is, is means Republican and Planned Parenthood means Democrat. It's just yeah. really bad. And, and that's really, really bad because it excludes people. And the people who are going to get hurt the worst are the unions because the unions are now strictly liberal or Democrats. And then when the Democrats aren't in power, it's not normal people like us who are typical people, I should say, who yeah, end we're, up. We're recording a podcast at 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah. not normal. <laughs> Um, who are in charge, there's going to be punitive actions taken against them for no other reason that they were supported Democrats, which is, that would be bad. Yeah. Well, you know, we talk about tribalism and how we try to avoid that, but mm -hmm. part of that is calling people out on both sides when we think that they're wrong. And I think that these punitive actions are, are terrible. And I think to your point, it's, it's happening on both sides. It's just the Democrats have to be a power right now. And so the punitive measures are being levied against the Republicans. Yeah. So anyway, I was talking to the Republican platform a little bit earlier, girl. If I could change one thing in the platform, I would remove the LGBT language. But I would say top five is adding mental health because that is something that is totally overlooked on both sides. And there's a lot of lip service going into mental health, but not a lot of action. Right. Because these guys... So the way they look at things is if I'm pointing at his sink right now, <laughs> and let's say that that wasn't a, a quite beautiful shiny chrome sink. Let's say it leaked and the faucet was a little off kilter. The solution that they might offer is to dump a pile of money in it. Mm -hmm. And then that would be the solution to fixing your sink. Whereas another person might decide that calling a plumber might be the best way to fix the sink. And so, you know, I'm all in favor of more mental health or whatever, but the government, they have this tendency to problematize something and then create another bureaucracy in order to try to cure it. But then because the bureaucracy is only interested in propagating itself, it will then problematize other aspects in order so it can work on that too so it's just this weird juggling act that happens that's yeah that's a fair point and that's the as philosophically i feel like we all as as conservatives as republicans we ought to look at government as a as a last resort and if, if it does get to that point and i'm i'm in the same boat as you james i'd like to see more of a focus on that but you'd have to be sure to do it right you have to be sure don't just create a new you know epa or something like that that just goes out looking for problems but yeah great points and on that note i think we're running out of time so we're going to end the podcast before we go before we end the podcast all right we like to we like to ask our guests who their favorite republican is Who's your favorite Republican? Oh, uh, boy, I would have to say uh, Ben Shapiro, probably. Okay. Hmm. 
Another podcast guy. I love basically because he's pretty funny, but he also has a a really um, interesting way of kind of cutting through the uh, fog that's sometimes created in people's minds and and just getting down to the bare point so like like i heard him talking about the uh the israeli palestinian thing and 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 he basically said if either side was to disarm what would happen to them if the jews would disarm what would happen they would get slaughtered mm-hmm. they've tried to slaughter them many times since 1940 whatever you know every 5 or 6 years and up until the uh the mid 70s and then if the palestinians were to all put down their arms they would instantly be given a state. Hmm. Jewish people hmm. would probably build some factories in there, try and make a couple bucks, you know, get their high tech thing going. It's a really good point. And and yeah, and so it's just that basically that just ends the conversation because there's nowhere else to go. You know, you have one side that's in favor of genocide and another side that's in favor of commerce. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Anytime there's funny Republicans who do a podcast, I'm I'm, I'm, maybe we can consider ourselves the same level as Ben Shapiro, <laughs> just with slightly fewer listeners. But well, I didn't want to like, embarrass you guys, but you, you guys are my actually favorite Republican. Hey, oh, there we go. <laughs> that's, yeah, maybe that's a question we should start asking. Who's your third favorite Republican? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And on that note, we're going to end the podcast. Again, Robert, thank you so much for coming on. And listeners, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Rational Republican. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting service, or you can listen on our website, jamesaball.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media, and if you're feeling extra generous, you can visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash rationalrepublican. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.